It's not that hard. Just do your job. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of that from a manager of yours, or maybe you've said it yourself. It's not that hard. Just do your job. Or maybe you've had a team member of yours say something like, you know, I just want to do my job. I know you want me to care, but I don't. It's a paycheck. I've got a family. That's it. Those expressions are two sides of the same coin, and they represent a major challenge for you if you want to build a courageous culture. Listen, I empathize for the employee who says, just let me do my job. I've been there. When I was a teenager digging ditches in the summer heat or scrubbing down gas pumps when I was trying to save money for college, I wasn't thinking about the customer or how we could run a more effective business or anything strategic. I was focused on getting my work done and hanging out with friends that night. So there are roles and there are seasons where that's the reality. But I also empathize with the frustrated managers. I've been that leader who was irritated at an employee for overcomplicating or avoiding a straightforward task. It's normal to feel like saying, hey, listen, just do your job. But there are a couple problems with just do your job. The feelings are normal, and they'll happen to the best employees and the best leaders at some point, but you don't want to stay there. The first problem is that work that you can just do is going away. The routine, predictable, structured work, it's being automated. Technology is commoditizing many products and services, and those easy jobs are going away. Robots and digital agents powered by artificial intelligence all the data suggests that those things are going to continue to displace blue and white collar jobs. This is a challenge for employers and employees. When so much is automated and quality service or products are just the price of admission, how do you differentiate your business from your competition? Well, the solution to surviving and thriving in the automation revolution is what computers can't replace. Human creativity, empathy, critical thinking, especially in unpredictable environments. So leading in the automation revolution isn't about what you can control. It's about what you can create and what you can contribute. For team members, we've all had those days where we're doing well just to show up. But if showing up is all we do every day, a computer can show up faster, cheaper, and more accurately. So if you're wondering how to create and contribute, Start by engaging with your customer. Think about the work you do and the way you do it. What have you learned through that process? How can it be better for you, for your team, for your customer, for your organization? And as a leader, you can help your team move from just showing up to create and contribute by regularly asking for their ideas, bringing them problems or opportunities, discussing them together, asking courageous questions. We'll talk about those in a future episode and take action on what you learn. Over time, that combination of curiosity and implementation will build momentum. The second problem with just doing your job is that you don't get the micro-innovations, the solutions, and ideas that allow your team to transform their results. Any work that you can't outsource to AI and computers 
is going to improve with multiple perspectives and diverse thinking. Even in small companies, the specialization of skills and different talents in your team of three or four people mean you'll benefit if you can draw out everyone's best thinking. So as a team member, what perspective do you bring that will help your team be more effective? When are you going to share that? What experience does your colleague have? How do they see things differently than you do? And when can you ask for their perspective? And as a leader, if you're not already consistently asking for ideas and solutions, it's time to start. If you're asking, but you're not hearing much input or not as much as you'd like, pay attention to how you ask. And when you're talking with a team member who's struggling and just wants to do their job, start with empathy, then shift to what's possible. It might look like this. I hear you. I've been there too, that we all have those days where we just want to get things done and move on. But listen, it's going to take more than just showing up for us to succeed. As your leader, I don't just want to show up for you. And I know that we can do more than just showing up for our customers. I also want to create the best experience for you and the team. And that's not going to happen either with either of us just showing up. And I see what you're capable of doing You have ideas and you have insights, and I would love to hear those as they come along. If you have some just-do-your-job folks, or you've gotten frustrated and felt that way yourself, understand that the world in which just-do-your-job would work is rapidly disappearing if it's not already long gone. It's going to take much more than that. It's going to take engagement from you and your team, and as a leader building that culture, is on your shoulders. Hey, this is Nora, and I have a question. Hi, David. My name is Jamie, and I'm calling in from Maine. My question is about... Hey, David. This is Julian from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This is John from Colorado Springs. This is Johan White from Kingston. I have a question for you. This is Cynthia from Baltimore. Hi, David. This is Susan from New Jersey, and my question is... Hi, David. This is Dean from Denver. I would love your advice on this. We have a challenging question today, which I know many people will be able to empathize with. And I would love to answer your question. You can send me your question by going to leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com. You'll see a big orange button where you can click and record your question. Leave us your name, tell us where you're from, and share your leadership or management-related question. It can be a question about anything from your daily work, challenges you face, as well as a question related to any of the 40 or 50 previous episodes of the show. I'd love to hear from you. Hi, David. This is Shelley in Bend, Oregon. And I would say about 50% of the people I know that work in this area um, are here because of the lifestyle, not because of industry. And so that leaves many of us working with clients and um, people who are outside of the area. And so a lot of us are telecommuters. One of the questions that keeps coming up and that we struggle with is being clear in email. I wondered if you had some tips and advice on the best ways of being clear in email and also getting the responses that you need or that you require in order to move forward. A lot of times we've noticed that when we send an email, we'll get sort of half-baked responses, almost as if they haven't read the email or they didn't quite understand what was being asked. So just let me know if you have any advice on dealing with emails and working remotely. Thanks. 
Shelly, thanks for sharing this question. As I know you are not the only one who has this frustration. I'm thinking just yesterday I had an email that uh, where I had asked four different questions. The first one got answered, the last three got ignored. And unfortunately, that is part of the world we live in. So I don't know that we are going to change behavior on the other side of the email exchange. What we can do is set ourselves up for more success. All of it starts with framing expectations. So when you are onboarding a client or when you are onboarding a team member, if you have a remote team, talking about the way that we communicate, how we're going to use email, how we're going to use instant messaging software like Slack, creating some shared expectations around that, and maybe some shared norms as well. You know, if there are action items in an email, maybe our agreement is we're going to preface the subject by saying two action items or two AI or something like that so that we know up front, oh, this is what I'm looking at when I get here. Also, as you're putting together your expectations, you want to be clear about workflow and response times and the consequences of those things. So you might say something like, as we are working together, I'll be asking you for information. And if I send an email with four questions, I need the answer to those four things. And if I don't have that in the agreed upon turnaround time, then that's going to impact um, how long it takes to do the next step of whatever that project might be. Then when it doesn't happen and you send an email and there are four questions, but you get only one response, you know, you can reply and say, hey, listen, uh, just a reminder, we had four questions here. If I get the first one, but not the next three, that's going to impact our completion time. Just want to make sure you're okay with that. And sometimes that helps people realize, oh, they need to take a, a minute, slow down, and look at what's actually coming across and take the time to answer it. However, that's not always going to be the case. And if you've got somebody who is a, a top liner, they are, these people are usually very busy, they're going fast, they're looking at their email on a phone, not on a desktop. So you want to remember that that's often the case. So they'll see the top line, they go, oh, okay, here's the answer. And they very quickly and rapidly get it done, and they answer that first question, not realizing that there were three more. Or if they did realize it, they've already moved on to the next thing before they thought through the rest. If you have somebody like that, limit your email to, to one topic. Give them that one action item, and then follow up. Great, got that? Next. Great, got that? Next. Or alternatively, get a phone call. Use a different form of communication. But it's about finding out what's going to work for the individual and being effective in how you're communicating with them. Some people are more auditory, and if you can get them on the phone for five minutes, they'll answer all your questions as opposed to trying to write them out. So I know it's frustrating, but some of it is a matter of setting clear expectations up front, helping them know the consequences if the information isn't received, and then having the discussion about what is the best way for us to get the information. You establish some norms, you start working through them. If that's not happening and they're getting frustrated and you're getting frustrated, then it's time to have an Inspire conversation. Hey, listen, I know that this is what we agreed to do. I've also seen things are slipping. We're not meeting deadlines and here is why. We're not, our communication is not as tight as it needs to be. Have that conversation and then ask, so this is what I see happening. I'm curious how it looks from your perspective, but most importantly, how can we solve this? How can we make sure we're turning around our communication to one another as quickly as we need to in order to meet your deadlines? Because ultimately, you're wanting to 
serve them and you're wanting to achieve their ends and everybody wants to be successful. So how can we get that done? Have that conversation, establish some new norms, and you have a much better chance of being successful as you move forward. So this is one of those questions where there is no silver bullet. There's not just one technique, but clear shared expectations, trying to interact in the way that's most effective for them, and then an accountability conversation and new norms if it's not working are a path forward to get your communication where it needs to be. Shelly, thanks again for that question, and I will look forward to answering your question in a future episode. Remember, when you build a dynamic culture that leverages humanity to solve problems, to respond to customers, and adapt to change, you build a strong foundation to survive and thrive in the automation revolution. And as the future continues to evolve, that's going to ensure that you're the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.